Good morning. It's my privilege this morning to welcome four speakers here from local ministries to chapel. I wonder if you would help me to welcome them as I introduce you to uh, introduce you to Rachel Powdrill. She is the executive director. Come on up, executive director of the Community Service Center here in Wilmore, a ministry that assists community members providing human necessities and operating the thrift store that you've seen on Main Street here in Wilmore, also distributing meal, meal, meals and so much more. So welcome. I'd love you to sit down here. Thank you. Pamela Smith, who is the founder of All God's Children in Nicholasville. It's a shepherding house that gives care and housing and God's unconditional love to sexually exploited women in our area. Jannie Lewis. Jannie Lewis is with us. She is the executive director of Natalie's Sisters in Lexington, a ministry that extends hope, support, and God's unconditional love to uh, sexually exploited women. I messed that up, didn't I, Pamela? I'll get back to that. Uh, Pamela Smith, who is the founder of All God's Children, which is a home that gives care and housing to girls in crisis pregnancy. And finally, Todd Johns, who is the founder and executive director of Revive Lifehouse in Nicholasville, a residential and outpatient addiction addiction treatment center for men offering a faith-based addiction recovery program. So welcome all of you and one more round of applause. Thank you. Now that I've botched those introductions, I'm absolutely sure that we've hardly scratched the surface of uh, the ministries that each of you are involved in. So I wonder if we can take a minute just to go through and have you start with just introducing us to what you do in ministries. And if we could start with Rachel, uh, introduce us to your ministry and what it's all about. Well, most of you, sorry, most of you know about the thrift shop. You've probably been there to shop. And thank you for that. But the thrift shop supplies a lot of the funds that we use to help people to pay their rent, help people to pay utilities. It helps to buy the food. We give monthly food boxes. And we also do perishables on Tuesday and Friday. But the uh, food boxes is also the money is bought by the money from the thrift shop. So. If you shop, you're helping someone. And then we also help with uh, budgeting classes. We've helped start a recovery group called Arrow. We um, <clears throat> have practicum opportunities for Asbury University, and we've also had those from the seminary here. I help with several local service organizations and we do a lot of referrals to resources. So that's as short as I could make it. <laughs> that's, that's quite a bit. Pamela, how about you? Could you introduce us to All God's Children? Okay. Uh, you were actually right on your introduction. Although um, these are teenage girls, we are a nonprofit that started here in Nicholasville 20 years ago that cares for traumatized children children that are in the foster care system. Um, the, the first, the basis was teen moms or mothers that are pregnant or parenting. They are in foster care and now they're gonna have a child that that child's gonna be in foster care. 
So our little motto is nurturing children, strengthening families. Um, since that time, we've opened foster homes. So we have all ages from birth to actually 19 right now. Um, we have a residential home, independent living apartments in downtown Nicholasville, and many foster homes. Um, you won't find us advertising on street corners because we want um, to get people like you guys and that you know and in church, strong families um, to mentor and have these children just give them a family temporarily. There's 10,000 kids right now in out-of-home care in Kentucky. 10,000 that are living someplace else. These kids have been traumatized and many times the teen moms are exploited. Extraordinary. Thank you so much for that, Pamela. Todd, would you introduce us to Revive Lighthouse? Sure, be glad to. Uh, so my name is Todd Johns. I'm the founder and executive director of Revive Lighthouse, and we are basically a long-term treatment center for uh, men who struggle with substance abuse. Um, we're holistic in approach. We have three phases to our program, and we uh, started in April of 2016. Uh, we have multiple facilities. Uh, we have a facility, main facility in Jessamine County, but also a 16-bed facility uh, in Lexington, downtown Lexington. So uh, what we really look to do is holistic in approach um, to this treatment. We get to be Christ-centered and bring the best possible care as well, along with um, clinical counseling, medical care, and things of that nature. We don't. One thing that we don't offer it currently is a detox um, uh, facility, but we're working towards that. But we really strive to um, have all uh, a variety of modalities in treatment, I think is really important, and help get these men acclimated back to life um, through jobs and through connection to community. Wonderful. Thanks so much for that, Todd. Jenny, could you introduce us to Natalie's Sisters? Natalie's Sisters began as a ministry um, under Southland Christian Church 20 years ago called Bruised Reed. And we, at that time, we were an outreach strictly to women who worked in the adult entertainment clubs. Uh, since that time, we have, uh, I've retired from Southland. Start, we started a nonprofit in 2016, and we now work, uh, reach out to women, not only in the clubs, that's still going, but also uh, women who are working in prostitution on the street, um, all sexually exploited women. Uh, that's our focus. And so we have a drop-in center for women downtown Lexington. We have a jail ministry, the club ministry. And I feel like I'm forgetting something, but it'll come up. <laughs> it'll come back to that. So much that each of you do. You know, sometimes when we talk about ministry, we think about the work that we do, the services that we provide, but ministry is really about the people. I wonder if you would introduce us kind of a, 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 a sketch of who are the kinds of people that you're working with. Um, do you want to... Well, all of our ladies that we work with are over 18. If they're under 18, we automatically uh, refer them to uh, appropriate authorities. But the ladies we work with are over 18. I would say between 18 and uh, 55, believe it or not. Um, most are um, homeless. Well, I'm dealing with two populations. The ladies in the clubs are not necessarily homeless, but many of them are. Uh, and many of them are under-homed or, you know, couch surfing. Um, but the ladies on the street are all homeless and 95% of the ladies we deal with are also dealing with substance abuse or uh, substance use disorder. Thank you so much. Rachel, would you like to introduce us to the people? What would you like us to know about the people that you work with? As I mentioned, um, we work, we've helped start a recovery group. So we work with those that are um, using and 
abusing their bodies and their minds. And this is one of the things that, as the people came into my office needing help with rent or needing help with utilities, it just came up over and over that they didn't have enough money because so-and-so had used it for alcohol or they'd used it for drugs. You know, the most of the problems with lack of money it, that come into my office is because of the drug use in Wilmore, and people don't like to hear that, but it's here. Um, but in recovery, in the recovery group, we are seeing some that have stayed consistent. So um, that has been, that is a praise, and that's been an encouragement. And then those that um, come in with lack of rent or lack of utilities, some of them are repeats, and so I've got to know quite a few people in the community and have built, crossed the bridge and built friendships. And then one other thing, we do have homeless right here in Wilmore. And again, um, people say, what? I don't ever see anybody sleeping on the street. Yes, we have homeless. So that is one of the biggest things that um, I don't think I'll be able to approach that problem, but I'm hoping someone here will get that problem on their mind and that God will speak to you and that we can do something about the homeless here in Wilmore. Thank you very much for that. Pamela, what would you like us to know this morning about the young women that you work with and their children? Well, first I will say it kind of strikes me that we're all working with the same people. Uh, if you think about the stories, I'm sure that each of us have. It's um, families that are disrupted because of substance abuse or trauma in some way. They have to reach out to services to get. Um, many times the girl have um, been on the streets, have been uh, abused or trafficked. Um, we're seeing a lot of that now. But um, the main part of the ministry is to teenage moms. We want to teach parenting, positive, nurturing parenting skills to teenagers that usually have never seen that, they haven't been involved in that, and now they have a baby. Um, but in that, we have two clients, the teen mom and the baby, um, both of them, and we're looking for their best interest, what is going to serve them best for a nurturing life. And our goal is to keep them together, to teach parenting, and help strengthen that. Sometimes that's not possible. Uh, and we um, protect the baby. Um, so since that time, it's reached out, like I said, to all ages. We have a lot of very young children right now in our foster homes. Wonderful. Todd, tell us about the kind of man who would come into a residential or outpatient treatment program. Yeah. <clears throat> I just kept thinking about... Um, everyday people, right? Um, I have, I get the opportunity um, every day and week in and week out to help reduce the stigma of addiction in people's lives because addiction knows no bounds, right? It crosses all um, socioeconomic class and gender and nationality. It doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. And so really and truly, um, everyday people, it's your, it's your cousins, it's your uncles, it's your aunts, it's your loved ones that, that we uh, particularly are serving male, 18 years of age and older, um, but as Pamela said, you know, this, this, there's a common thread and theme here, and, and we're trying to really um, combat that um, um, from the male standpoint and, and restoring um, husbands and fathers back to their families. Great, great. 
Thank you so much for those descriptions of not only the ministry, but the people. I want to ask questions about the four of you for just a minute, because if there's one thing that's really true about ministry, it's always personal. So I want to ask each of you, what drew you into this ministry and this work? And I'm sure it's uh, going to be a, a moment of real insight for us. So um, Pamela, would you care to start? Yes. Um try to make it brief, and that is uh, my family, my husband and I, and our two young children were a foster family. We were first shepherding, worked at a pregnancy crisis center, and through pro-life movement, um, I had just heard of so many teen moms being in the foster care system. There's no doubt that God drew us into working with kids that were within the system. It's very difficult at times, but much to... (laughs) everyone's unbelief for 20 years, really we've been doing it 30 years, the state, working with the state, has never been an issue. Many, many times they've come to us for help. Um, they, they hold us up for, you know, as, as really helping children, even though we're faith-based. So that usually answers one question. But um, we were a foster family for many years. We had young moms live in our home. And I just saw when they left, they were continuing to get into poverty. Uh, One was in um, Section 8 housing in Louisville, and there was a gunfight right outside her apartment, and her young baby that had been born while at our house had just stepped out of their home. And so I took the baby back so she could get a third job to get out of the Section 8. They kept getting in trouble, kept having to stay out of school, just so many issues, and horror tales because of some of the foster homes, and we've all heard it, things that have happened to further traumatize them in foster homes. So I thought nobody could care for them except me, and so (laughs) we um, prayed about it for two years, had a prayer group going, and um, just sought the Lord, and one of the questions is, how's God? I could tell you so many stories of God opening up and and showing us. My husband says all the time, if he comes up with an idea, it usually fails. Uh, We step back and say, okay, God, now what was it you said? Because we were out in front. Um, So it started from there, and now 20 years later, um, one baby I had, November 1st, just had her 25th birthday, Um, but my daughter is taking over as executive director of All God's Children soon. Um, my son, who's 35, also works with us part-time. He's a pastor. but um, So it has been a huge part of our family, and my kids have grown up in it. So, Thank you very much. Rachel, how about you? What drew you into the work at the Community Service Center? Well, for years, my husband and I and our family were abroad in missions. And when I came back, or when we came back, Um, guess what? I went to ATS and got my counseling degree. (laughs) And then um, the family situation changed. Uh, We had to bring in my in-laws to live with us, and then my brother had an accident, and we brought him in to live with us. So we were stuck, if you want to say that, (laughs) in Wilmore. We couldn't go back to Kenya. And then this position opened. And so it's, it's very similar in that if you're in Kenya, if you're in Ethiopia, if you're in the America, your eyes are open to need. If you're 
following Jesus. You know, he just puts those people in your path. So when the position opened, um, it just seemed like the right place to be. That's wonderful. Uh, I've read your story online, uh, Jenny, uh, but I would love for you to share how you started in one place and it just sort of developed as you saw the needs unfold. Could you share that story with us? I'm, oh, I'm going to actually put in a plug for each one of these ministries because if they had existed when I was a 19-year-old or 16-year-old single mom, I had my, my first child at 16, I might not, well, this ministry might not exist, but still. Um, at, uh, as a single mom, I worked in uh, some of the adult entertainment clubs. So um, I was very fortunate because I had people praying for me. And because people were praying for me, I was only in that lifestyle for about three years. Uh, it's very difficult to get out of that lifestyle. But God will use your pain, and he'll always bring you to a point where you can serve out of that pain. And I think most of the folks that you talk to in ministry, it relates to that in some way. But we started 20 years ago. My daughter and another friend and I sat down and started talking about how we could reach out to the ladies uh, in the clubs. And we started taking a meal on uh, one night a week to two different clubs. And then that has grown significantly um, from that period of time, we realized that God wanted us to reach out to even a larger population. And that's where we started reaching out to the women on the street um, again in 2012. So we did the clubs pretty much for 12 years before we, we moved on. But um, it, it's been really remarkable to see how, again, how he uses whatever your situation is um, to bring back and do ministry. Very good. And Todd, would you share with us your story? How did you come to uh, found this uh, ministry to men? Yeah, so I think a lot like all of our stories, just out of a place of uh, my own brokenness, out of a place of my own addiction. Um, at 19 years old, I was a crack addict, suicidal, hating life, living on the street. And you all have this theme this year, I understand, here at Asbury Theological Seminary about uh, grace. And, and it was a sacrament of grace, really, in and through the life of my father, Chris, who um, showed me God's, um, the tangibleness of his love when I deserved it, the very least. Um, I think that's what, that's what grace is, is when we, can, um, when we can live our lives in such a way that um, just extends and shows this, this love of Jesus to those who are hurting, to those who are broken, to those who are in, in need. Across all of our ministries up here represented today, I think that's the, the heart of it. So for me, it, it really truly flowed from this place of, um, of God's grace in my life that was met tangibly through, through my earthly father who just extended his love to me um, and loved me through some things. So, yeah. I love how you brought God into the ministries because he's played such an important role in each of your ministries. That's that, there's a part of it, there's a balance, I think. There's a part of it that we do in our own labor in the ministry, but there's a huge part that God is doing, whether we would say it's in front of us, the side of us, behind us, however he's positioned himself. I wonder if each of you would talk a little bit about that balance, the part that you're doing in ministry and those moments that God has shown up and done something that seems truly miraculous or, or, or met your need in a way that uh, just was a real joy. Um, Todd, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. Um, I think, Chris, really, it just boils down to the willingness um, for, for us to just step out and, and say... I'm willing. Um, I, I could be like 
Pam said, up here for hours telling you all story after story, like, like just the miraculous hand of God moving, uh, the proverbial left field, there he is again. He just continues to blow us away. Um, but, it, but it's a simple act of, of obedience, Chris, really just taking those steps and, 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 not, and seeing God in our everyday life, seeing God in, in everything that we do um, for his service and his glory. And, and I think if we have that perspective, um, you know, it's not just a meal, right? It's not just a, uh, a five-minute, hey, how you doing today? Um, but, but there's, there's uh, the divine with us. He's in us and through us, and he is, um, he is shaping and molding that thing. And, and, and we get glimpses of the aha moments. We get glimpses of those, wow, God just came out of left field there and just knocked it out of the park, and it's amazing. And we have those stories to share. Um, but I really, truly believe it's just how we, we live it out every day. So, Pamela, have you had any occasions in the past 30 years that God has shown himself in your work and uh, maybe met a need that you didn't know could be met any other way? Yes. uh, As Todd said, many, many. But probably the greatest one was way before um, All God's Children, and that is when I came home from the Pregnancy Crisis Center asking my husband if if I could bring teen mom, teen pregnant girls home with me. And he said, no. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes I fell into playing Holy Spirit, but I tried to just pray. And um, he was pretending to be a Christian and his testimony is amazing. Um, And it took quite a while of just uh, prayer within a small prayer group in our church and our pastor. Um, But he came to know the Lord and, and I truly saw him prostrate on the floor the night he accepted Christ. And soon thereafter, we're lying in bed, and he says, let's do it. Let's open our home. And that home was too small, and I went, woohoo. I went out and put a for-sale sign in my yard. <laughs> and um, that Saturday, like two days later, it was my owner, you know, uh, trying to save money. A man walked in and wrote us a check. And I asked him if he, I said, don't you want your wife to see it? And he said she had been in a tornado in Lexington that had lifted their house. She just wanted a basement. She didn't care as long as she had a basement. (laughs) He said the one thing is you have to um, move out in a week. was Memorial Day weekend. He said, we're to the end of ours, sold, I've got to move in a week. So within that time, I had already been looking at houses in Jasmine County. I didn't tell my husband. But um, I found one that was open, needed a lot of work, but it was big, and no one lived there. And the next weekend, we were moving. That was Memorial Day weekend. In July, the first teen mom flew in from another state to live with us. And... Through that, it's all of this has happened since then. Um, yeah. God's timing is pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, tell us about um, where you've seen God work here in Wilmore. Okay. When I joined uh, as the director of the Community Service Center, we're not particularly a Christian organization, even though most of us that work there, I'd say 99.9, <laughs> are Christians. But very early on, I just felt like our mission statement needed to say something 
that we, um, yeah, that we are Christian. And so that was a very positive moment when the board agreed to put in our mission statement, in Christian tradition of mercy and hope. Mm-hmm. What those words yeah. still just in Christian tradition of mercy and hope. And then one quick um, personal story of one of our clients. Asbury University has an equine center, um, and once a year, or about once a year, they have an evangelist that comes, and he's also a horse trainer. So he trains a horse right in front of the audience, but he's also walking through how him training the horse is so similar to how God leads a person mm-hmm. and how you come to that point of, okay, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. And, and he, the horse trainer was saying, I was working with a very stubborn horse one night when I was trying to train him. And finally he had gotten him to lay down or lie down the way he wanted him to or whatever. And he said, and that was when I realized I had been running from God. And he said, I knelt down beside that horse and I threw my hands in the air and I said, I surrender. And so then he opened the door for anyone in the audience that wanted to come forward and pray. And one of our clients from the recovery group just almost ran forward, fell on his knees and did the same thing raised both hands and said, I surrender. And he still got his ups and downs, but that moment was so beautiful. I just want to capture each of these stories. Each one of them is so inspirational. Uh, Jenny, how about a time that you have seen God's hand in the lives of these young ladies in Lexington? There is one young, this is, uh, there's several stories. Like you said, the water that you pray for because you're out of bottled water and it shows up the next day, all that kind of stuff. But there's one young woman that worked in the clubs that we met probably in 2001, 2002, that we prayed for, uh, we, had been, we have been praying for day after day, week after week in our ministry. And in 2017, so 15 years later, um, she called me and she said, can you please uh, make arrangements for me to be baptized at church? So don't ever give up on those people that you're praying for because that took 15 years. We had the same thing happen with a young man who used to be a manager at one of the clubs. And um, if you're familiar with Southland Christian, there's two, or there's a lake out back. And he called me one afternoon. I was out of town in, in Frankfurt, and he called me, and he said, Janie, he said, can you meet me at the lake? And I said, sure. And he said, can you find John, who's our pastor? And I said, I'll do my best. What's going on? And he said, well, I need to, I need to be baptized. Um, I'm just not sure there's enough water in this lake um, for everything I've done. And uh, so, But that, that, too, had taken five or six years of prayer and relationship building and trust. So um, it's just... We see, like you say, we see stuff every single day. We all have those uh, out-of-left-field moments, but those are two of the long-term, uh, you just can't give up. You guys got to keep praying. Yeah, that's so great, so great. Uh, um, every ministry uh, knows of those, those moments. You know, I call them if-only moments. They, they, they kind of sound like this. If only we had more volunteers. If only we were fully funded. There's so much more that could be done. Could each of you talk a little bit about unmet needs that you see in each of your ministries, unless there aren't any? Who would like to start? I'll 
Blanca. Like you said, everybody has those unmet needs, and everybody, I'm sure, has those financial needs, so I won't even touch on that. But uh, volunteers, we, we tend to call our folks team members, not volunteers, because we ask for a pretty big commitment out of all the folks who work with us. Um, but we do have some um, non-trained positions of volunteers that we do need. We need folks who can come and clean uh, the drop-in center. We need folks who will uh, do a drive for the certain clothing items that we carry, those sorts of things. So there's always a need for, for folks who are interested in getting involved, whether it's on that level. We have a prayer team, an email prayer team, which many of uh, Asbury students have been on in the past years. Um, we also have a cooking team, folks who can provide a meal. Uh, so there's lots of different ways to be involved, and we just never run out of those. Tell us about the unmet needs that you see. We, too, use a lot of volunteers at the thrift store. Of course, we have all the donations that come in that have to be sorted. Clothing has to be hung up. So we have about 40-something, 40, 40, 45 volunteers. But we also have our food pantry. And one Saturday a month, we really need strong men or women to carry the boxes out because we do, the person does the shopping, but it does go into a box and it can be quite large and frozen meat can be quite heavy. So um, we do have some of you that have helped and we appreciate that, but we need those volunteers once a, one Saturday a month to help carry the boxes because we're in a basement. So we have about five or six stairs to go up and out to the parking lot. And then we have a budgeting class and we need mentors that can meet with those who are in the budgeting class, meet with them once a week for, um, this is quite a commitment, for six months, well, five months. They go to class for a month, and then after their classes are finished, they have five months of needing to meet with a mentor. Um, and then you can always donate your gently used items. And... Um, Seems like there was one other thing I was going to mention. Okay, can't think. <laughs> Go ahead. Pamela, how about you with all God's children? Where are the needs? What's, what's an unmet need that you would like to see filled? Money. <laughs> <laughs> it does so much good. Uh, just like these ladies, I mean, it's always money, right? Um, but all God's children could not have been where it is today without this community. And by this community, I do mean Jasmine County, but more this community here, Asbury. I can't tell you, I wish I'd kept a total of what all, Asbury College and Seminary, some excellent practicum students for one thing. Um, but just last week we had a team of four or five men come down and put up a little fence in daycare so we could separate the little bitty ones from the older ones so they wouldn't get, you know, knocked down. Um, we couldn't do those things, um, clean the donations out of the garage, do plantings, you know. For the personal touch, we also need mentors. But it's a commitment. A lot of times people want to come in at one time, you know, do something, do a party for the girls or whatever, and that's awesome. Um, but we need mentor. We want to pair each teen mom up with a, an adult Christian woman, hopefully a family, so they can see and interact with a godly family. Dot, how about you? Yeah, so um, ditto all that, right? Um, I'll, I'll 
piggyback off of Pam. So for all you men, uh, I could I could sure use um, we could sure use uh, your help in, in discipleship. Um, my dream, Chris, would be to have every man, every man that comes through our doors to be paired up with with someone who's going to journey with that person for however long they're with us. Um, invite them into your life, spend time with them, and so uh, mentoring discipleship is 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 probably the biggest need. Of course, um, you know uh, we uh, and. In, give insight into this, but across all of our locations, we have about 107 beds. We usually stay about 80 to 90% occupied. And so as you can imagine, uh, toiletry type items. So um, gift bags are always welcomed. Um, I know I know at your home, you probably need that as well. Those types of items are, are huge uh, blessings to us. Um, any type of uh, community group, if you're looking to get involved, there's all kind of projects for us as well. I had heard a quote once about uh, men who struggle with addiction that one of the explanations is they feel no sense of purpose and they don't feel like they belong and if there's two things we concentrate on outside of Jesus Christ it is purpose and belonging and so that connection might be a really great fit for someone that's here today absolutely could we hit rewind (laughs) I thought of what the other thing was (laughs) I need live live worship music on Monday nights oh wonderful we have that here too Uh, There's an author and pastor named Henry Blackaby, probably best known for writing a book called Experiencing God about 25 years ago. He said, if you want to find your ministry where you can do the most good, you ask where the need is. And as I listen to, as we listen to your stories this morning, each one of you have found that need that's out there. But I want to ask you, ministry can be difficult. Ministry can be incredibly challenging and demanding on the minister. How do you unplug from that? Do you find moments of respite in your ministry? Jenny? (laughs) I'm kind of resting today because I'm not at work. (laughs) Um, it, you have to be very intentional. I'm sure everybody would agree with that. It's easy to get caught up, especially if you're the director or the founder of something. Uh, you feel like you have to do it all, or you know, it's hard to find somebody that cares or is as passionate about it as you are. Um, so you do have to be intentional. Um, I also have, encourage everybody who's in our, on our team to have a, a personal prayer team praying for us um, as we're doing ministry. I think that's critical. Uh, so we start with that. But I, I, I just literally unplug every afternoon when I come home. Um, I have to stay active in a life group, and I have to stay active with my Bible study and prayer. Um, I don't have any magic beans, but I'll listen if anybody's got great ideas. <laughs> We're always learning, yeah, aren't we? Rachel, how do, you, how do you leave it all behind at the end of the day, or, or can you? I do not draw boundaries very well. <laughs> um, I think that's common probably with all of us when you have a big heart. So I don't do the greatest at that. I try, but that's about all I can say. That's honest. (laughs) And I think a lot of people who serve in ministry are right where you are. Pamela, do you have moments where you can unplug and say, I'm not taking any calls right now? Um, Yes, but I have to insist that on my husband, and he has never understood all these years why I'm constantly not on email, on call, even on vacation, all that. That's just a big difference and conflict that has been. Uh, I drew the line early on. You know, don't talk to me. Don't bring a subject up. 
done nothing if I'm on a weekend or on vacation or whatever. And we've had crisis, and we were at the beach, and I know nothing about it, <laughs> which is really great. Um, I will say, Chris, that um, Henry Blackaby and Experiencing God is one of the, the backbones of my life back when God was calling me into ministry. I've probably been through it 10, 12 times, um, that meeting God where he is. Yeah, it's wonderful teaching, isn't it? How about you, Todd? I think for me, Chris, and um, I think what it really boils down to is that I, uh, what I do isn't who I am, right? And so that really helps me define healthy boundaries in my life. Um, I, I, I don't have time today to go into it. Maybe we could talk afterwards, but uh, I personally, I think over the last couple of years, have been through a bit of identity crisis myself. Um, 2018, we, we blew up tremendously. Um, we went from 10 full-time staff to over 50 full-time staff in 12 months. And so for me, it took a bit of a toll on me, and I learned quickly that what I do isn't who I am. And, and I think that's so important for us in ministry is that, um, yeah, you've got to be intentional. You have to set up healthy boundaries. But at the root of it, you have to know that, you know, this isn't who I am. This is what I do. And this is, it flows out of a, a being of who I am. But it doesn't define me and it doesn't control me in that manner. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. We are coming to the close of this interview section. I want to ask you just one last question this morning. Prayer is such a huge part of ministry and such an enormous um, element in the life of the Christian. My prayer coming into this was this would be a time for the Asbury community and the students are here to connect with a ministry that God would speak through these testimonies and your descriptions and find that place of service for themselves. How can students get involved in your ministries? Well, we have a list of all the, not all the volunteer opportunities, but several volunteer opportunities that are great places to start. We'll have that at the table um, out there. But we have, um, like I said, we have uh, the club ministry and the street ministry both have monthly or weekly uh, opportunities, and then we have one-time opportunities as well, because we do know a lot of people need that. So hopefully this little volunteer sheet, for those of you who have a calling or an interest in our ministry, will find something. Wonderful. Rachel. Okay, I guess I just miss, mentioned one thing is on Monday nights at Recovery Group, we'd love to have some live worship music, if any of you want to do that. And then anything that you can do as a volunteer, donate time or donate items or shop or money. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Pamela, how could people be involved? We like to, um, my daughter and I, both of us or either of us will meet with someone that's interested. Um, we don't have, you know, 40 or 50 volunteers. Um, but we meet with them and just talk about the ministry, show them around, and see where God leads them. Because some want intimate contact and to, you know, be there with the teen moms or do something personally, and others don't. They want to do something just broadly for the, um, the ministry. Um, recently, I've had an email from a girl who was with, when she was 10 years old, she came out with her parents and did something. She said, forever since then, I have remembered my time there. And now I'm you know, out of college, married, I have a child of my own, and I can relate, and these are the things I can teach. 
These are the things I can lead. I want to come back and do that. And that obviously meant the world to me. Um, so we usually we just sit back and let God tell us. Yeah, wonderful. Todd uh, revived Lifehouses in Nicholasville, not too far away. Right. Uh, for men in this congregation this morning here at chapel, how can they be a part of what's going on there? Yeah, I, I too, like Pam, I'd, I'd love to meet over a cup of coffee, lunch, I'd like to do that. Um, from time to time, we do Discovery Revive Nights, Chris, where we'll invite the public to come and, and get on premise and on site, hear from me, get a tour of the facility, um, that sort of thing. Our website, if you go out to our website, revivelifehouse.org, um, there's usually places to donate and, and, and those toiletry type items that we need or, hey, we want to, you know, come help um, reconstruct our room or something like that. So there's, there's always projects out there to, um, to connect with and get involved with. Oh, wonderful. Todd, Pamela, Rachel, Janie, we thank you so much for sharing yourselves, your hearts, your ministry, and your faith with us this morning. In a moment, I'm going to call up Reverend Jessica Legrone, but I wonder if you would just join me in giving applause for their time and their faithfulness. God bless each of you.